I have been uh, for the last two, two and a half, three weeks actually, uh, in my own time, uh, been reading and studying and thinking through Joseph. We talked about Joseph last week, and I want to do one more uh, service today. I want to do one more, just a few minutes about Joseph, and um, I want to talk about the end of his story. You know, I was I was looking at doing some research, and and in Genesis, the book of Genesis, it uh, the the information that I looked over, and I went and I kind of followed it through in the scripture. It's like J- Joseph's story is thirty percent of the book of Genesis. It's 30%. There's, there's nobody in the book of Genesis that gets more time telling his story than Joseph, not even Abraham. And uh, so, you know, God intentionally put that in the scriptures so that people obviously would see. He wants us to see some things in the life of Joseph. And so today I want to talk just a, a few minutes uh, about the end of well, maybe not the end of his life, but kind of after Joseph ends up going into prison and coming out, and just talk about that a little bit. You know, I, I, so, you know, you think about, I was thinking this morning about how people that live like in the, like around the coast, like Florida, uh, Texas, and Louisiana, and they go through hurricanes. And man, we've seen some devastating hurricanes, haven't we, over the years? We've seen some devastating tornadoes. We've seen some devastating, I think they'll call hurricane cyclones over, you know, in, in Asia. Uh, we've seen that happen where just literally just people's lives are turned upside down. Um, and, and hurricanes, tornadoes, all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and the thing is, is I wonder sometimes when I look at all that, I wonder how do they move forward? How do they continue on? How do they, you know, and I'm not even talking about just rebuilding a house. I'm just talking about the devastation that happens in a person's soul when your life is, is turned upside down. Because maybe we don't go through hurricanes and tornadoes here, which we don't, but maybe we've gone through maybe a, a cancer uh, issue. Maybe people have gone through the loss of a loved one. Maybe they've gone through a divorce. Maybe they've gone through uh, just a a terrible sickness, big, big, big issues. And I think I I have to step back and say, and now I'm just asking the question. I'm kind of learning to to just kind of ask questions in my own heart and then kind of let the Lord give me his perspective. Because the truth is I can say, well, they just got to get in there and rebuild. Well, they do. But the truth is, what causes them to move forward is the same thing that kept Joseph going. Joseph was 17 years old. Actually, we go back even before that. Joseph was born when, when his father was living in, well, with, uh, with his uh, uncle Laban. All those boys were born uh, when they were living in Padam Aram. Uh, that was where Joseph actually met uh, Rachel, wanted to marry Rachel, and ended up getting Leah. And uh, I don't know Leah, she might have been a nice person, but that wasn't Joseph's choice. And you know the story, it's worked seven years, and then seven more years, and then six or seven more years before he could leave. And when he finally left, he left with a lot of children. He left with, with 12 boys and one daughter. And on the way back, now, so Joseph at that point was six years old. And so when he ends up finally getting to Canaan, 
Uh, he only lives in Canaan for 11 years. And we hear, you know, they're going to the promised land. They're going to Canaan. Well, Joseph went from, from his uncle Laban's, when they were living there, uh, to uh, Canaan. He lived there for 11 years because when he was 17 years old, he ends up getting thrown into a pit by his brothers. Now, let me ask you the question, and just maybe let's, let's interact just a little bit. Why did his brothers hate him so much? Jealousy over what? The father's love, yes. But also, what made them hate him even more? The dream. It was the dream that he had. The Bible tells us that, that Abraham, or not, that, that Joseph uh, dreamed a dream. Let me, let's, let's jump in here real quick. This is Genesis 37, and I'm not going to read it all, but I just want to kind of look through this. This is the NIV. And so verse 2, actually, of Genesis, uh, Joseph was a young man of 17, tended flocks with his brothers. Uh, he bought his, uh, brought his father a bad report about his brothers because they were not very nice guys. And you might say, well, how do you know? Well, let's just keep reading. <laughs> they weren't very nice people. They didn't have a heart like Joseph. And so it says, uh, Israel loved Joseph more than the others. We've talked about that. Um, and he was born to Joseph in his old age. Now I've looked and I've tried to find out how old Joseph was or how old Jacob was when Joseph was born. And I see everything from about 75 to 91. It's hard to know. Uh, you, I guess you could go in there and check it out. But he definitely wasn't a 25-year-old dad, young dad. He was an older uh, man. He was born to Jacob in his old age. And the thing was, what made him really, really special to, to uh, Jacob was the fact that he was Rachel's son and his son. That was his first love. And it was his old age before he actually had children there. And so, verse 5, he says, uh, Joseph had a dream. This is uh, uh, Genesis 37, verse 5, NIV. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen, uh, this dream I had, uh, he says, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, and your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, that's amazing, Joseph, we can't wait. That's not what happened. His brothers says that they hated him even more. They hated him more than they already hated him. But the, here's the thing, Joseph this dream that Joseph had was a dream from God. Maybe he didn't use wisdom, obviously. And then he says, hey, I had another dream. <laughs> and then he, he starts telling about this other dream where he, had, he saw the, the, the stars and the, the, the sun and the moon and the stars all came and they bowed down before him. How many stars were there, Joseph? Eleven. How many brothers? Let me count them. There's eleven of us, guys. I think I'm getting the picture. He's saying that he's going to rule over us. Now, like I say, Joseph wasn't really using a lot of wisdom. But the fact of the matter was, God had given him a dream. Let me tell you what a dream does. A dream, a dream from God will create animosity. It'll create, anim create animosity. It'll create naysayers. It'll create, who do you think you are? It'll create all kinds of, of things because you don't deserve to be used by God. You think you're going to rule over us. And I don't know that Joseph was thinking, I can't wait to tell you guys what to do. I don't think that's what he was saying. I think he just had this dream. 
And so he held on to this dream, and the story goes on, and you know how it goes. Joseph has this dream, and they eventually throw him into a pit, and he gets sold into Egypt. He ends up in Potiphar's house. He gets lied about there by Potiphar's wife, ends up in prison, and then he ends up being in prison for 11 more years. 11 more years. We don't have time to go through all this. But here's the thing. Joseph's dream never left him. He had that dream. that I don't see where he talked about it, but it was in his heart all that time. My, 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 my point today, my thought today, I just want to lay out for you guys. It's real simple. It's real brief. But here's the thing. Remember the dreams that God has given you. And when I say dreams, I'm not talking about you laid your head down on a pillow and you dreamed about you were eaten by a 49-pound marshmallow. I'm talking about the dream. And maybe it wasn't a dream that you had when you were sleeping. It might have been. But a dream that God puts in your heart. You know, the Bible tells us in in, uh, Proverbs 29, verse 11, we're familiar with this probably more than some of these other verses, but it says that without a vision, now look the word vision up and it, it can be translated dream. Without a vision, people perish. Now this is Mission Sunday. This is Mission Sunday. And so basically without a vision, people perish. So whose vision is causing people in other countries to not perish. It's believers that are willing to do whatever it takes to get the gospel to them, to, to finance it, to, for Christians that want to tell other people and, and about Christ, about what God's doing, about what God has done in their life. You know, I, I think that, you know, when we look at Joseph's life and we see, you know, God spoke to him He didn't understand the dream. He didn't understand the vision, but he was wanting to tell people. He was excited about what was going on, and all it did was make people mad. It made his brothers mad. His brothers hated him. When he said that uh, dream about the, the stars and the moon and the sun bowing down, what did his father do? Well, that's my boy. He said, are you, are you insinuating that, that your mother and I are going to bow down to you? That, that, that you're, we're all going to bow to you? It says he rebuked him. But also, I believe he kept it in his heart because he knew something that God was doing because Jacob's father was Isaac, Isaac's father was Abraham, and they all knew the story that God had made a promise to Abraham. And and Isaac carried that dream forward. And Jacob had it, and Jacob had all his issues, and he's looking at all of his boys, he's looking at all these boys, but he knows that Joseph is the son of promise. He knows that. He just knows that in his heart. So when Joseph begins perking up and speaking up and saying, this is what I, my dream, here's what happens. I think Joseph is, or Jacob is probably thinking, hey, calm down, calm down, calm down. That's a little over the top maybe, but he kept it in his heart. A dream will incite people. It'll incite people to anger. It'll cause animosity. It'll cause people to be against you. So whenever Joseph shows up there and his, he sees his brothers out there, what did they say? Here comes that dreamer. Let's make fun of him. No, the one that they said, let's kill him. I don't know about you, but I had a brother, and him and I could get into it a lot. But never one time did he say, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> never once. You know, that's just in our house. In our house, there's certain things that we just don't allow said. And one of those things is, you're a liar. We don't say that, even if we think somebody's telling an untruth. You're a liar. No, we don't go there. We also don't let people say in our house, I hate you. 
I don't know why anybody would ever want to say that anyway. But the thing is, when those words get comfortable, they're coming out of a heart. They're coming out of something that is wrong. And his brothers said about him when they see him coming to one another, I got a plan. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. What was that all about? He says it in the next verse there. He says, and then we will see what happens, what becomes of his dreams. I want you to know, the dreams, see, some of you have dreams, but you're afraid to say them because somebody will make fun of you. But here's the thing. Are you trying to convince them or are you trying to convince yourself? Because speaking the dream, I don't read anywhere from the time Joseph went into prison until he's standing before his brothers and they've come to get food. They've come to buy uh, grain and, and food. And this is the second time they've come, and he already knows who they are. And, and he, he's, as they're bowing down before him, you know, he says, the scripture says, and he remembered the dream. He remembered the dream. But I want you to know, a dream doesn't stay alive just because we dreamed it. A dream stays alive. What does he tell us in in? And I know I'm taking the, the, a little bit of liberty with these two phrases, a dream and a vision. But a dream stays alive. A vision stays alive because we write it down. Maybe on paper. But we write it down in our heart. We write it down inside of our, our heart, our lives. It's like we know when something contests what God has spoken to us, you know what we do? We get angry. See, I have dreams and, and plans and visions. I have desires. Maybe I'm using the wrong words. But, but I have dreams for my kids and for my grandkids. I have dreams. And when something attacks that and says, oh, no, they're going to be sick. Oh, no, they're never going to accomplish. Oh, no, they're going to be this. They're going to be that. You know what? I don't just go, oh, oh, maybe I was wrong. Something rises up inside of me. That is when you know a dream is real. It's when something rises up. But you see, if the enemy can beat you down, the enemy was after Joseph from the day he spoke that dream out. He was after him. But the one thing that Joseph did not do, he didn't let his attitude get wrong. Because when you speak what God has spoken to you, let me tell you what happens again. People get mad. People get angry. People get jealous. People begin to, to look down and try to be condescending. That's what happens. Now, hopefully the church doesn't do that to one another, but these were brothers. These were brothers. I think sometimes we think we're too old to have a dream. Well, don't you, listen, maybe when I was, I've said this. Well, maybe when I was 25, maybe when I was 17 like Joseph, but look at me now. I'm going to tell you right now. God doesn't care whether you are 17, 16, 15, or 99. He doesn't care. If he will put it, if you have a dream in your heart and you hold on to that dream, let me tell you something. Hell and everything else will come against you. And some of you can attest to it already. Some, well, some of you, every one of us can attest to it. Things that God has spoken to us, God has told us, God has promised us, whether it be in the scripture or something he's personally said to us, And things come, and they try and choke it out of us. Disappointment, failure, loss. It comes. But this morning, here's my my hope. Here's my desire. Here's my prayer. 
is that we would resurrect the dreams or maybe allow God to put a new one inside of us. But you know what? God is the author and the finisher. He's the author and the finisher. See, I don't need, if I say this right, I don't need everyone around here. I don't need everyone in this room to believe in my dream. I don't want you to be against me. But it's like you can't push my dream forward. You can support me. You can encourage me for sure. But but you can't keep that dream in place in my heart. And I can't do that for you. But you know what we can do? Is we can keep it alive by saying it. By speaking it. By writing it down. And see, I'm not talking a pipe dream who I see myself with stacks of money, cars all over the place. I don't, honestly, that, I think that God wants to put inside of us a desire to make life and the world a better place. That our lives impact the world for Christ. This is Mission Sunday. The dream, I believe, let's just take the last two years. And I'm telling you, you, this is what happens when you come through two years like we've just come through, two and a half, I guess, now. But we, we almost come through, and we're on survival mode. I don't want to live on survival mode, church. I don't want to live on survival mode. I want to live, I want to flourish. I want to increase and grow, but sometimes it takes a while. I know we've talked about this before. I've mentioned this before that, that God spoke to Abraham and told him he was going to have a son and, and you know, it was going to happen. And, and it took him 25 years before it ever came to pass. 25 years. Forget it. I'm not waiting that long. We already have in many ways. Why would we quit now? And then the, the same thing with, with, with Jacob. The same thing with Jacob. He wants to have he wants to have children with with his the love of his life and that was Rachel. He ended up with Leah and I don't want to make, listen. I can't explain all that. I just know that he loved Rachel. That's who he loved. That's the one that I believe God brought to him. That's the one that he found that he wanted. That God put it in his heart and he ended up with something more and he had to to navigate through the other stuff. And I'm not saying that Leah was a bad person. I'm just saying that sometimes things don't go the way we plan. Sometimes things go way, way, way out of the lines of what we think. But allow God to redraw your life. Allow him to redraw your, the plans he has for your life. Allow him to expand you and enlarge you. I'm doing things today that I didn't think that I would ever have to do. But you know something? God can put, he can, he can enable me. See, if we go back in the life of Joseph and you read all the things, every time Joseph ends up in prison and ends up, you know, going through things, it says, but the Lord was with him. If we know in our heart that the Lord is with us, then he can reshape and redraw the lines any way he wants. He can organize things. He can take me up and around and back when the shortest route between where I am and where I want to be is here to there. But he may decide to take me around here. But here's the thing. All I want is for God to fulfill the dream that he's put in my heart, the dreams. As a matter of fact, Joseph had dreams. 
Even when he gave Pharaoh the, the interpretation of his dreams. It's funny how God used Joseph to, to interpret dreams. The, 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 bait, the bait was at the butler and the baker. The butler and the baker, they're in prison, and they have dreams. And, and Joseph goes, yeah, well, funny. You know why I'm here? Because of my dream. So I don't want to talk to you about dreams. That's not what he did. He knew that dreams were how God would speak to us sometimes. And he t- interpreted those dreams. One was good and one was bad. But nevertheless, God was still speaking to him through dreams, his own, and he, speaking to him through the dreams of others. And then uh, Pharaoh, that was the next thing that happened. Pharaoh has that dream. And listen, the dream put Joseph in the pit, and Pharaoh's dream put Joseph in the palace. So the thing is, you know, let's don't just go, I, I don't want to dream. I've been there before. I've been at that place. I was like, I don't want to dream a new dream. I don't want to start again. I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I don't want to do this. I just, I just want everything and everybody to leave me alone. You ever been there? Yeah. I think all of us have to a degree. But you know what? God's never going to leave us alone. Because God has something specific. You are not an accident. You are not somebody that God just, you're not just a, a disposable extra. You, know, you see these movies and, and you'll see the star and then you'll see about 400 other people. And Dana and I would be watching, I'll say, disposable extras, watch. Boom, 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 they start getting knocked out, shot, whatever, falling into the crevice or whatever. But, this, but the star, the person, every one of you here is an intentional of the heart of God. Every single one of you. I, I'm looking around. And I see people here that you've been through hell. You've been through things that you don't even want to talk about. But I want you to know God's not finished. And God will finish what he's begun. But what, let me tell you what he works through. He works through his promises. And sometimes his promises come in the form of a dream. And when I say a dream, I just mean a vision, something that we know, that we know that we know inside. And it's scary to speak it out. It's scary to step forward. It's scary. But here's the thing. We write it down. We make it plain. We make it so that it's easy to hold on to. And everything that comes to try to chip and chip and chip away at our dream, you know what we have to do? We have to fend it off. We have to just drive it away. And the way, the way you keep something alive is you talk about it. You talk about it. You talk about what God's going Maybe you got to talk to yourself. Maybe you can't talk to other people. I was, uh, yesterday I was at, I, was, I don't remember, I was someplace, and there was a guy at Walmart, and there was a guy, and he was with his wife, and anyway, and I'm kind of going down this aisle, get a few things, and anyway, he's talking to his wife, and then about that time, uh, she walks off, and he keeps talking, and I walked up, and he goes, oh, <laughs> I'm not talking to you, man. He said, I'm talking to my wife. I didn't know she'd walked off. Well, the thing is, is I don't care. Because the fact is, is I talk to myself. Now, I don't walk around going, well, Tom, I'm not sure really what today's going to hold. I don't do that. But I talk to myself about what I, I, I meditate. I, what's the word? I muse. I, I, I speak to my own heart. I declare the goodness of God. I declare the, to my own heart. When I'm out driving, this is what I do. This is what all of us probably do to a degree. But the thing is, is when the enemy comes in like a flood, we have to allow God to raise up. Raise up a standard. Raise up a wall. Raise up 
a barrier where things can't get through. Today, look, I just, I, I, when, I, when I looked at that verse, it's in, it's in uh, verse, chapter 41, or yeah, 41, and it says that when Joseph saw his brothers, maybe it's 42, but when Joseph saw his brothers and they had come to him specifically because he was in charge. And it says that they bowed down because they were showing him honor. They didn't know who he was. And what did Joseph do? I wonder what he was thinking. I'm going to get even with these guys now. Is that what he was thinking? Well, you know what? Uh, uh, they're going to be shocked when they find out who I am. I'm going to throw them in prison. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, nope. You know what he, I think he was concerned about? It. The questions that he asked kind of reveals a little bit. He asks, who are you and how many are you? And he said, well, we're, we're brothers and, and we're, we're a family of 12 brothers, but one of them is gone. They didn't know that's him. And, and we have a younger brother's home and, and our father, and he tells the whole story. I believe Joseph was waiting because maybe he was thinking, you know, maybe they did away with my little brother. Don't know. But he let him talk. He kept drawing things out of them. And when that was all going on, during one of those interactions, the very first one, I'll go back to the phrase I want us to get a hold of. Joseph remembered the dreams. Church, I don't want to start again. If I have to, I will. But I don't want to start again. Because I believe that God's got something bigger than what we're experiencing. Bigger than what you are experiencing. You're not done. God's not finished with you. This is not like, oh, well, this is leftovers. This is overtime. This really doesn't count. This is where the rubber meets the road. When the enemy comes in and tries to tell us it's too late, it's too gone, we're finished, you can't do anything about this, you're just on survival mode, God wants you to flourish. I want to pray this morning, and I want to ask God to just revive us in our heart, revive the dream, breathe fresh life back into us. Because I think sometimes we get our, our fingers get tired. The Bible tells us to take a, take a new grip. Take a new grip with your faith. Let me pray. 